0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, tonight we're going to be continuing with our series on the shirim of hope. And tonight we're going to be entering into the base medrash of Shalom Dovber Schneerson, the fifth Rebbe of Lubavitch, the Rebbe Rashab. I've already tried to start this year twice, so I'm going to minimize the beginning. The Rebbe Rashab is unique in the sense that while he is still within the space of those Tzadikim of Lubavitch that start with the Alter Rebbe and move through the Mittler Rebbe, and the Tzemach Tzedek, and the Rebbe Maharash, and the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rayatz, and Rav Menachem Mendel Shnir Tzchusiyah aleinu who are all building upon one another. Nevertheless, what is unique about the Rebbe Rashab is the lengthiness and the clarity that he utilizes to express the teachings that he's coming to show. There is nothing left undiscussed in the thousands of pages of the system of the Rabbi Rashab. What we have alone out of the, the Sifrei Amarim is 29 volumes. Very often these volumes are comprised of Hamshechem, year-long discourses that built upon each other week after week after week, that in spite of the difference of time there was a connectivity between week to week. The Rebbe Rashab, through his clarity, placed everything in front of the reader. If a person were to learn the Rebbe Rashab clearly, to read the words, to not be afraid of the Rebbe Rashab, to not be afraid of the phrases that he uses, quite literally the entire world of Pnimiya Satoru would be open in front of them. The Rebbe Rashab does not shy away from speaking about the loftiest aspects that can possibly be discussed. Very often the Rebbe Rashab finds himself traversing that boundary space between nothing and something wherein language seems to fail. But the Rebbe Rashab, in spite of the failure of language to convey what he's trying to convey, he continues speaking and continues writing, thereby providing us with the gift Of language beyond that which can be conveyed. Now, my very good friend Rav Eli Rubin has been finally doing the work necessary on the Rebbe Rashab, writing about the Rebbe Rashab, talking about the Rebbe Rashab, something that has been intimated in the past, beautiful essays by different theorists and thinkers, but never a cohesive perspective of the Rebbe Rashab, and something that I very much hope that my good friend Eli Rubin is going to continue to do because the Rabbi Rashab's Torah offers everything to the person from the loftiest heights down to the bottom, quite literally. It, it runs from the beginning of creation down to the lowest level of creation. And what's so remarkable about learning the writings of the Rabbi Rashab is that he's so lengthy but the lengthiness does not detract from the message that he's trying to convey. The only other author, the only other tzaddik, well, there's two tzaddikim who, in my humble opinion, speak and write in the same way that the Rebbe Rashab writes. And that's Rabbi Nassim of Nimarov and the Leshem Shabayi Va'achalema. Both of those tzaddikim are tzaddikim who take a very long time to express what they need to express. Yet nevertheless, the lengthiness of their writings and their meanderings and their tangential movement into different areas never loses sight of the essential note that they're trying to convey. So that somehow even the tangent becomes part of the essence. Now, I can and certainly not claim to be an expert in the writings of the Rabbi Rashab, but at the same point, I can absolutely claim that without the Rabbi Rashab, I personally would not have a single word of Torah to convey. That what I have learned from the Rabbi Rashab, and it's not minimal. Sorry for that interruption. But what I have learned from the Rabbi Rashab is so powerful that it has indelibly marked the content of any Torah that I can try and give over. Now, what I want to talk about tonight is really found in only one place, at least in my humble, in my humble experience of learning the writings of the Rebbe Rashab. What I'm trying to discuss tonight is going to be the Rebbe Rashab's conception of hope. The Rebbe Rashab's conception of what it means to hope and yearn towards something. The to desire towards something. And what we're going to be looking at, Bezra Sashem, is going to be the famous Hemshech of the Rebbe Rashab, Hemshech Samech Vav, the year-long discourses and the Hemsheichim that the Rebbe Rashab was giving over in the year 1906. But before we enter into these words of the Rebbe Rashab, what I want to humbly submit and I've been having more technical difficulties with this year than I've ever have, and it could be because of what I'm about to try and humbly submit. But what I'm humbly trying to submit right now is necessary to understand that it is simply a hashra. It is not an attempt to identify or describe exactly what happened with such a tzaddik like the Rebbe Rashab, or Shalom Dov Ber Shnirson, whose inner life and external life is so lofty that it's almost impossible to speak about Hashra'os when it comes to him. But because this idea has found itself in the mainstream of ideas when it comes to the Rebbe Rashab, I thought that it would be valuable to perhaps contextualize the Rebbe Rashab's comments on hope with this introduction. Now in the year 1902, it's recorded at least at least in the writings of the Rebbe Rashab's son, the Rebbe Rayatz. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe also points it out in his Rishimos Hayoman. so it's certainly recorded. But it's said that the Rebbe Rashab in the years 1902 or 1903 was struggling. Now the way that we see his struggle is that it was a pain, it was a suffering in his left arm. And the fact that it was his left arm, badafka, which is associated with gavura and constriction, is something that I humbly feel is significant. But because of the Rebbe Rashab's pain, and what the Svarim and the Rebbe Rayats also points out was not simply a physical pain, but that that was a year that the Rebbe Rashab found himself tzabrachin, broken, filled with worry, anxious, in the way that you can talk about a tzaddik like the Rebbe Rashab feeling that he wasn't living up, so to speak, to the level that his father, the Rebbe Maharash, the Rebbe of Shmuel, had lived up to. And again, we're talking about a person who was not only functioning on a political level, or functioning on an educational level and creating yeshivos like Tom Chetimimim, but this was also a person whose spiritual teachings and the output of the Kabbalistic and mystical conception of the worldview that he lived with was was incomprehensible in its amount. We're talking about a person who wasn't sitting on the side doing nothing. We're talking about a person who was doing everything. Yet nevertheless, in that world of the tzaddik, the Rebbe Rashab, there was a certain kite there was a certain brokenness that led him to seek out help, that led him to seek out relief of a physical kind, of a psychological kind, if one could say such a thing. and. Historically, where this led him, at least in the writings of the Rebbe Rayatz and the Rishimos of the Rebbe, and there's a lot of secondary literature that tries to point out, even from the doctor's perspective, how this historical meeting could have aligned. But the Rebbe Rashab traveled to Vienna to meet with another Jew, a very important Jew, a very important Jew, a Jew named Sigmund Freud. And when the Rebbe Rashab sat with Sigmund Freud, at least as it's recorded in the writings of the Rebbe Hayats, the conversation that took place was as follows. And right now where I'm going to be reading from a book called The Hidden Freud, His Hasidic Roots by Joseph H. Burke. I'm not recommending the book by any means, but it's a book that compiles at least the teachings and this experience. It's not a bad book. I just, it's not a book that I would recommend in particular. And he writes as follows. When they first met, Freud asked the Rebbe Rashab to give an exact account of his daily activities, including the number of hours that he worked and how his day was arranged. He was also curious about the nature of Hasidus and what kind of discipline it involved. After detailing his daily routine, the Rebbe Rashab replied, And as far as I know and as far as I've been able to see, this is a translation of what is found in the writings of the Rebbe Rayats. The discipline of Hasidus requires that the head explains to the heart what the person should desire and that the heart should implement in the person's life that which the head understands. A famous idea throughout Hasidus Chabad of Hamayach Shalit al Halev that the mind overpowers the heart, that the intellectual capacity of grasping spirituality through his Hisbininus Hamayachin through intense contemplative meditation upon the secrets of reality and the secrets of the soul, should overpower the desires of the heart, something that is expressed in the Sefer Atanya and throughout Hasid Chabad. After Freud asked further questions, he asked, quote, How do you accomplish this? Are not the head and the heart two continents that are completely separated? Does not a great sea divide them? And according to the writings and according to the recordings of these experiences, what the Rebbe Rashab responded is as follows. The task is to build a bridge that will span these two continents, or at least to connect them with telephone lines and electric wires so that the light of the mind, the light of the brain, or the light of moichin, should reach the heart as well. Moreover, I must point out that for chassidim, from birth the matter of the mind and the matter of the heart is fit for the study and for avodah that this very struggle the Rebbe Rashab conveys to Freud, is that this struggle between the mind and the heart is part and parcel of the very fabric that human beings experience. And here comes the most famous line that is already explicitly recorded in the Rashima Sayuman of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, actually recorded on a Lagva Omer day. After more discussions between Ford and the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rayatz recalls that Freud came to the following conclusion. The head grasps what the heart is unable to contain. And the head grasps what the heart is not capable of tolerating. And here there happens to be a good point by the author, Joseph Burke, of this book. And he says that the word Freud used, according to the Rebbe, in German or Yiddish, was "fartrot," which means to carry or to bear, or to endure. So the diagnosis can be also translated as the head grasps what the heart cannot carry or bear, or the head grasps that which the heart cannot contain or endure. Now in the year 1903, where the Rebbe Rashab was struggling with this difficulty, whatever that difficulty meant for him, what it seems, at least from the writings that we have, is that there was a balance that was not struck. There was a difficulty. There was a confusion between the head and the heart. And the fact that the head grasped certain things and the heart was incapable of grasping those things led to the confusion or the brokenness of the Rebbe Rashab on whatever level we can understand that was feeling. So what I would like to try and show in tonight's shir, humbly, is that what we're going to see about the Rebbe Rashab's treatment of hope, which is ultimately a matter of the heart, a matter of transcending the mind, a matter of trying to find Hashem and trying to relate to Hashem and Kedusha in our lives beyond rationality, specifically in that super-rational element of emotionality and the feelings that we feel deeply entrenched within us, that it's these comments and a few other comments that we're going to see where the Rebbe Rashab is reacting to this claim consciously or unconsciously that the head understands what the heart cannot contain. Because while the general teaching of Chassidus Chabad broadly expressed in an obviously overgeneralized fashion is that the mind has the power to overcome the emotions of the heart, on a certain pinimi level, as expressed explicitly in the writings of the Balatanya and throughout all of the generations of Chabad, is that on a certain level, the pinimius halev, the inner experience of subjective emotionality, which often stands in contradistinction and stark difference to the cool-minded rationality that Chabad seems to emphasize so deeply is in truth loftier than the mind. That emotions, the human element of confronting the world in all of its difficulty, of feeling the world in all of its fullness, feeling those emotions, that element of the Nefesh Bahamas, that part of us which is so human, that is so animalistic in its vulnerability, that on a certain level, that element is even higher than the mind, even higher than contemplation. As if what we're going to see right now is a response to that claim that Freud said the head knows what the heart can't understand. It's almost as if throughout some of these writings, we're going to see that what the Rebbe Roshab was responding is that, no, 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 you don't understand Mar Freud. Freud, you don't properly understand. The heart in its depth and its panemius, is loftier than the mind. And it's specifically in that lack of understanding that the heart shows its transcendence over the mind. Because it allows us to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in ways that we could not have rationally conceived of. The Rebbe Rashab writes as follows on page 102 in Hemshech Samech Vav. Daf Kuf Veiz. And this is what the Pasuk means, that Hashem will reward those who wait for Him. Those who are patient for Him. What does Mechake mean? The idea of waiting and being patient is the idea of hope. Of hoping for something. When I wait for something, it means that it hasn't arrived yet. I can't rationally grasp it. I'm anticipating it. What the Rebbe Rashab says, that anticipation is also the element of hope. Something we've discussed until now, that if you want to understand hope, hope is only present When a person doesn't know if that thing is going to arrive. When we're in a state of suspended awareness, where it's not clear if what we desire so deeply is actually going to come. That's where hope is present in our lives. Because when it comes to a matter that by necessity needs to arrive, or that we know deeply with certainty that it will arrive. (inaudible) There's no room for hope there. Like we've said in the name of the Ramchal and in the introductory shirim, that hope is born out out of the ground of hopelessness. Without the possibility of hopelessness, there is no hope. The Rebbe Rashab says that hope and anticipation is specifically found when a person is not clear with regards to what is going to happen. And we don't know what the next moment is going to bring. Al zeh That is when it is appropriate to say that a person is hoping for something, when they have no idea if it's actually going to arrive. Shemikol Makum yavo Hadavar. That even if I don't know if it's going to arrive. At least I will hope for it. And in Ruchnius, says the Rebbe Rashab, and again, this is in year 1906, three years after his alleged meeting with Freud. And in holiness, Hainu Bedaver ha'muvdal ba'arech. Hope applies to something that is transcendent to our grasp. Something that stands just out of the boundary of my comprehension, that sits at the the horizon of what I can imagine, something that is removed. (inaudible) That's where hope is appropriate, something that according to my rational logic I shouldn't have access to. Like the Pasuk says, (inaudible) Our souls yearn and are patient after Hashem because Hashem is so distant on a certain transcendent level from our hearts. Hainu, <inaudible> which means to say sha'anu mikavim al-davar shalomodalanu. What we are hoping for is something that we are unconscious of, that we don't have any rational awareness of. mukra <inaudible> and that thing that we are hoping for is certainly not necessary. There's no necessity of it arriving, which would negate hope from the beginning, but rather it stands in arrested development. And we don't know how this thing could even be possible. That's where hope is born. Out of that feeling of how in the world can this be possible? Shalafi Hanira that according to our current awareness, We have no idea how that matter could even be possible whatsoever. It ascends and transcends and obliterates the rational laws of what we expect. But nevertheless, we believe with a deep intensity. And our hope tells us that no, certainly it will be like this. The future will certainly arrive. And when we feel that the future will certainly arrive in the present moment, the present moment, as we've spoken about, becomes a possible receptacle for the light of the future to break open the present moment and give us strength. The oid says the Rebbe Rashab, Yesh b'tikva b'chinas b'tol shel The ontological act of hope itself, despite what we might be hoping for or what we might not be hoping for, the element of hope itself is the negation of the subject in the face of what they're hoping for. I give myself over to God. I give myself over to that which I anticipate. Like somebody who is yearning and hoping and waiting for their friend On a certain level, they are dependent and nullified in the face of that individual. Like somebody who needs or desires the table of their friend to provide them with their sustenance. And an example for this says the Rebbe Rashab, When a person finds themselves in this world, in Olam Hazed, that seems to be so concealed and so removed from light or any spirituality whatsoever, engaged with mundane materials, things that appear to have lost any semblance of holiness, any semblance of transcendent reality, any semblance of a residue of divine light that is infusing vitality into that object at every moment, when a person engages when a person utilizes their body, the lowest element of existence in this world specifically, in this double darkness, that through our engagement in the lowest element of existence possible, that boundary limit, that limit experience where the light of the infinite is still present even though it's stressed so incredibly thin, when we engage with HaKadosh Baruch Hu at that moment, the animating feature of our experience is hope. The hope that our actions in this world, that although we have no idea how or why or where or when are going to draw down a connection with the future with Hashem, nevertheless, we are willing to engage in it. We are willing to push forward. That is the Indian of Kivoy. That is the Indian of tikva. What the Rebbe Rashab is saying more explicitly than even what we saw in the Ramchal, something that we'll see in the future weeks of Shirim by different Sadiqim, is that if you want to understand where hope is born, if you want to understand where a person can experience the inflection point, wherein they move out of their despondency and out of their forlornness over the present moment, and they allow themselves to transition into a space of possibility, of nation's possibility, of natality, of expectancy of something that is coming, it's specifically when I no longer know whether that thing that I hope for is going to come. That without hopelessness, without a reason to not believe that something will arrive, hope is meaningless. Hope is born specifically at that moment wherein my rational mind no longer gives me any reason to expect that thing. L'dugma, we have been waiting so long for a future to arrive that for many people it begins to be impossible to even give themselves the credence or the permission to hope for a future. But what the Rebbe Rashab is saying is that it's specifically because you have absolutely no rational reason to hope, that's where your hope is born. Because otherwise it's not hope. Otherwise it's expecting something. Otherwise it's a Ali. It's still dependent on my rational awareness. But there's a certain human experience that emerges when I obliterate my mind. When I throw away my moichin and my rationality. I enter into that unconscious space of the heart that allows me to yearn for something even though I have no rational reason behind it. And the Rebbe Rashab says this explicitly in a way that my jaw dropped as somebody who worships the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, as somebody who lives in the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, this was a difficult teaching to swallow. But then understanding what this teaching was saying and understanding the world of the Rabbi Rashab, it became one of the most beautiful Torahs I've ever seen. And there's a reason that for Rabbi Morgenstern and Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld and that Chavraya Kadisha, that world of the Yama so much of that system as Be'ezras Sashem will be able to show in one way or another, Kolzman that there's anybody interested in hearing it is rooted in the world of the Rebbe Rashab. That without the Rebbe Rashab there is no system. The Rebbe Rashab describes the fundamentals of kedusha from the beginning to the end in a way that very 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 few other tzaddikim do. Except, like I said before, maybe Rabbi Nasan in a different way, and the Lashem Shaveh Achalima. Other than that, my humble opinion is that there is no tzaddik who expresses their ideas in such a lengthy form with such clarity in every single word. But what the Rebbe Rashab says, that hope is dependent on a certain level of hopelessness, on a certain level of losing sight of how rationally I can even expect something, he says this explicitly, in the same Hemshech in Tafresh Samachlav, again three years after that meeting with Freud, after he expresses a difficulty with finding himself in his teachings. The Rebbe Roshab says as follows, and this is on page Lamid Zion, on the thirty seventh page of Hemshech Tafresh Samhvov. Hari <laughs> et satzuma. The essence of the individual soul is the movement that emerges from the deep bitterness. And in Yiddish, what it says in parentheses, mit a starka nit gutkeit with a very strong element of no goodness, of not being okay. Umamela, out of this feeling of not being okay, what a person experiences is a deep and intense desire to run after godliness, which is also a movement out of the self trying to become different than I feel at the moment. But at this moment, the person doesn't feel anything. They don't feel how they're drawing close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All they feel is the bitterness and the pain out of the distance that they have from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But this drawing down of the light of godliness into their soul, they don't feel whatsoever. Because it's in the element, the Rabbi Roshab says, of the silent, inaudible voice that emerges from the heart, specifically the heart. Again, that Freud had said that the mind knows what the heart can't handle. It's specifically the heart over here that the Rebbe Rashab says that hears this inaudible voice that screams out, that sa'akas halev, that unconscious yell, that murmuring madness that emerges out of the heart that says, please, even though there's no reason for me to expect goodness right now, let goodness arrive. But in truth, the Rebbe Roshab says there's an intense drawing down of godliness into the soul, except it's not felt. Why is it not felt? Because this experience of godliness is born out of the great distance that exists between the individual and God. And out of that intense pain that the person feels over their standing and their personal experience and their psychological makeup at that moment, There's a deep pain. But at that moment when a person overcomes themselves and forces themselves to bend and lean into godliness, that drawing down of godliness is incredibly powerful. But the person, the Rabbi Rashab says, who kimiyuyush binafsho, like a person who has lost all hope, because when you lose hope, that's when you can draw down an even stronger level of godliness. And the Rebbe Rashab continues and he says that there are times when hopelessness emerges out of the awareness of light and the awareness of how deeply powerful God is. And at that moment, a person has utterly given up hope because I can never arrive at such a level. I can never experience such a level. And at that moment, this is the Indian of Yayush. This is the concept of losing hope. That a person says, how is it possible? How could it be that I can ever find what I'm looking for? After that, at this moment I have no shaykhist to it whatsoever, and I'm in a great pain and a suffering over it. At that moment when a person feels that, when a person can express that to themselves vulnerably, at that moment there is a toikef ha-hamshacha, there is an over-intensification of drawing down the light of a Baruch Hu into the person's self. Ella shebezeh gufa, this itself, what the Rebbe Rashab is saying is something so powerful, almost like it couldn't be believed that it was written, that this drawing down of godliness, this drawing down of purpose or a belief in a future or the belief of change or the belief in the possibility of hope is in and of itself the intense potentiation of the pain within the soul that can be described as a loss of hope from the side of distance. That it is specifically when a person feels as if they've lost hope, it is specifically when a person feels that there's nothing left for them to do, that the Rebbe Rashab says that's where hope is born. And what is that hope? It's chikoi, it's waiting. It's patience. It's the awareness that even though I want something so badly right now, I hope for something so badly right now, I desire something so badly right now, nevertheless, the fact that it hasn't arrived, the fact that I am still waiting for it, the fact that we are still waiting for it, as the Rambam says, that in and of itself draws down a deep light. The Rebbe Rashab was referred to, like we said, as the Rambam of Hasidus. What the Rambam is saying in that the delay is part and parcel of the experience of yearning for Mashiach, of yearning for redemption, both personal and collective that it is specifically in the patience that we allow ourselves, in that patience that we give ourselves to wait, even though we have no reason to believe that something is going to come, that is where Tikva is born. And this experience of tikva is super rational, it's not part of the mind. It's no longer according to the ABCs of the mind, but rather it's something that is rooted in the inner interiority of the heart, which the Rebbe Rashab describes in many places is in truth higher than the mind. That there's a certain level of unconscious, latent emotional experience that can express the divine hope that we have for HaKadosh Baruch Hu or for Mashiach or for light. In, the, in an even more potent and intense way than rationality could ever could. The Rabbi Rashab describes this in many, many places. That the power of concealment is even stronger than the power of revelation. That no matter how high you go on the rung of understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter how high you go on the rungs of contemplative understanding of God, what you will ultimately come to is something that the Rebbe Rashab describes as he'elem ha'atzmi, the essential concealment, meaning that at the end of the day, rationality is not going to reign supreme, but rather the belief that I can continue in spite of rationality's breakdown, that's what reigns supreme. As the Rebbe Rashab describes beautifully in Sichos, in Sichos Rebbe Rashab in Taira Shalom, this is on page 183 in the new transliterated printing. The Rebbe writes as follows, Vihine behit almus ha'or, in the concealment of light, atzmi mikoyach There's a certain intensity and a power that even transcends the power of light that is in Revelation. Because when it comes to Revelation, it's not such a wonder that HaKadosh Baruch reveals himself in all places. But in the koyach of his almus, of concealing oneself, yesh b'zeh koyach atzmi b'yoter. There's an even more intense power. Like we see below, like we see in our world, that a fool can say everything they need to say. I can say all the words that I need to say. I can talk all day about Torah. That's not a chiddish. Anybody could talk about Torah. The chiddish is the person who can be quiet. The chiddish is the person who knows and remains quiet. The chiddish is the person who is no longer operating according to their rational mind, but willing to live according to their heart. Hope is born out of the heart. Hope is born out of the patience of waiting for something, even though the mind can no longer understand it. In that experience of concealment, That is where hope is born. And as we find ourselves, each person according to their own subjective experience or collective experience, waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, living with the Torah of Hamtain and patience, expecting the horizon to finally fall into the present, yet never finding it, finding ourselves with all the reasons in the world to lose hope, It's specifically at that moment of hopelessness that the true power of hope is born. In the year 1903, and with this we're going to end, the Rebbe Rashab, the same year that the Rebbe Rashab visited Sigmund Freud to discuss the pain in his left hand. The left hand, again, is the understanding of gavura, of constriction, of what it means to find God in a world where light seems to be occluded. Of what it means to find God in a world of the left side, of the Gevura, of Bina, of the Tzimtzum, of concealment, of his Almas. That's what was bothering the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab, that same year that he went to Freud, that same year that he was told that the mind understands what the heart cannot grasp, the Rebbe Rashab gave over a discourse called Kuntras Uma'ayan Beis Sashem. The Rebbe Rayat said that the Rebbe Rashab said specifically about this Kuntras. I want it written down because it's a psychological text. It's not so much a Kabbalistic text. It's a psychological text. And in this text, we begin to understand slightly of what the Rebbe Rashab may have been responding to. Because this whole text is about how not to be a fool. This whole text is about how not to be fooled by the Sahara, How to allow your rationality and your mind, your mayach, to overcome those temptations. But at the end, at the very end of this contrast, after describing in all manners and ways how the mind, how the Moach is what is supposed to drive our Kedusha and drive our relationship with the Kaddush Baruch Hu, after bemoaning the foolishness, after bemoaning the shtus that every individual finds themselves in in their failure to live up to their rational ideal self, the Rebbe Roshab ends this kunchrus, which on a certain level is a critique of foolishness, with a possibility of the redemption of foolishness. Where he begins to speak in the last chapter about shtus de Kedusha, of the willingness of a person to be obstinate in spite of the fact that rationality is telling them otherwise. My mind is telling me that I'm far. My mind is telling me that I have no hope. My mind is telling me that I can't draw close. It's in the last chapter of this contrast written in 1903. Again, when the Rebbe Rashab was told that the mind understands what the heart can't grasp, where the Rebbe Rashab ends his discourse on the greatness of the mind by saying, there's also a possibility of an obstinance of the heart that pushes forward in spite of rationality's breakdown. That is willing to find God even though rationally I have no reason to believe that I can. Biruusa deliba, as the Rebbe Roshab writes at the end of this kontras. So what the Rebbe Roshab was saying in this imagined conversation is that in response to Freud's claim that the mind understands what the heart can't grasp, what the Rebbe Roshab is disclosing is that hope is found in the heart. You think the heart is the problem here? The heart's not the problem. The heart is where hope is found. The heart, which is where rationality breaks down and where hopelessness grows, that is specifically the place that we can fall into hope that transcends hopelessness. Or we can live in a space of foolishness that lives beyond rationality, in the Shtus de Kedusha. And that waiting and that waiting and waiting, even though so many people have passed us by and told us to stop waiting, and that chikoy and that hamtein, that's where we express our hope. That's where we're capable of expressing our undying belief that even though the future may not have arrived yet, I can still allow the present moment to break open and be subsumed and filled with the light of the future. But Ezra Hashem next week, we're going to continue discussing the Tzadikim on hope. Next week we're going to talk about Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin, the Kohen Meleblin, the Talmud Mufak, or one of the Talmudim Muvhaqim of Rav Label, of the Meishilayach, of Rav Mordechai Yosef of Ishbitz. And we're going to see what Rav Tzaddik says about this element of hope being born specifically out of the abyss of hopelessness, Baezrus Hashem.